This podcast is supported by Red Energy, powered by the mighty Snowy Hydro, a leader in renewable energy. Red is 100% Australian owned and local. Phone 131 806. Welcome to Homestyle with Shana Blades. Thanks to Red Energy, born and bred in Melbourne with a customer solutions team based here. Switch to Red Energy today. And welcome to Homestyle. I'm Jane Neild and I have the absolute pleasure each week of jumping in a studio with none other than Shana Blaze to talk design. Hello, Shana. How are you? Hi, Jane. I'm loving your sunshine voice. (laughs) (laughs) We're getting into the depths of winter and your voice is so sunshiny. Well, we are actually recording this on a a Melbourne wintry day where the sun is shining brightly and I feel like it's spring, but that's a different story. Things feel a bit (laughs) upside down. But of course, Shana, you know, you are the person we look to for style advice. Huge following on social media. The Block, Selling Houses Australia. Little Birdie told me you might have wrapped up on the Block for the season. Yeah, we have. And and the fact that we could actually do that is just phenomenal. And, you know, we were back maybe seven weeks because we were literally halfway through the series when COVID hit and we had to do lockdown. And the fact that we finished it is like a, a credit to the producers. It really is the fact that they could do it with the rules and what's going on and also the contestants, like mm. what they've been able to achieve during this time. And I'm really excited about it because it's so different. It is so different. And being able to achieve it through this changing world is just incredible. And it was funny because it felt like, you know, this is just going to go on forever and ever. And by the time we'd finished it, it felt like four weeks, but it was seven weeks. It was Mm. like, oh, really? It's like, oh, okay, there's another year gone. So when do we get to see it on our TV screens? Well, we don't know yet. Um, They always hold it close to their chest. We usually find out a week before, but it just depends on programming and what's happening, you know, because some shows have got up, some haven't. So it's just the the channel's trying to work out where it can fit. Well, can't wait. (laughs) Hopefully when The Voice is finished. But we don't know. <laughs> exactly, which, of course, uh, we've been loving this year on uh, Nine Network as well. Loving. Have you got any tips for the winners? No? Anyone? No, because I've just um, – there's just sort of the battles and there's so many great ones and I, I can totally understand for the um, judges to, to let one go because – and I tweeted this uh, on Sunday – is the fact that we're seeing some of the best groups of talent all over that we've ever mm. seen before. And, you know, I, my heart breaks when the people have to go home because they're phenomenal, mm. absolutely phenomenal. Well, if you uh, missed out on hearing about Shana's previous life as a singer, <laughs> make sure you listen, go back in the podcast feed and listen to all of the earlier episodes of Homestyle. But today, Shana, we are going to talk about furnishings. Yes. Which, for many of our listeners, I'm sure, oh, furnishings, of course. They've probably got a wish list. They've probably got their possibly, you know, the dream book or a board on the wall with their wish lists of furnishings. Let's go back to very basics, though. How do you define a furnishing? Because I hear the word soft furnishings. Yes. How does that oppose? Do we have hard furnishings then? Well, hard (laughs) hard furnishing tends to be the um, all the things that are bolted down, like, you know, your flooring, your bench tops, your cabinetry. Soft furnishings are the things that are movable. They're things that actually are more fabric orientated or material orientated. But furnishings as a general is anything that's not bolted down. So your furnishing does cover your artwork, your rugs, your couches, your lamps and cushions and your little aubergine that you pop around everywhere. (laughs) And um, so it's everything that you don't sell with the building. Yeah, sure. So it could include a massive dining table, 
that is not soft, but yeah. you would take with you if you Absolutely. sold. Absolutely. So that's actually okay. furnishings. So soft furnishings is more the fabric type yep. orientation. Okay. So if we're planning to build or we're renovating, yes. when should we start thinking about furnishings? Because I think what I've learned a lot from watching your shows and from talking to you is that planning and getting things in the right order from an earlier stage in a design process can save you a lot of money down the track and yeah. it can save you a lot of headaches. So my sort of thing would be, oh, and I've got this gorgeous sofa I just picked up on Gumtree and it's wonderful. Or, and then realise that all the curtains and the cushions or everything else I've bought don't match. Yeah. Go back to the beginning. So where should we start this process? Definitely start with the process of what you want to keep. Okay, that's good so advice. That, yeah. That's the sort of, you know, you do your culling and your, your decluttering and everything like that. But what are you going to keep couch-wise? What are you going to keep, um, you know, that special cushion that you love or a little cabinet or something like that? It's one of those things that not all of them will match. So you've got to go, okay, so we're keeping all these bits and pieces can we put them in different rooms and use them as the focal point of the colour scheme of where we're going from? So you've always got to have a few pieces that will guide you, mm-hmm. whether that will be, you know, the couch or the rug or a piece of artwork. That becomes the starting point if you're keeping it. So always keep that in mind that if you want to start from scratch, it's a whole different starting plan. So work out what's staying and what's going and then you start moving from there. Is it common that people would actually start with nothing. Maybe we would see that in a new apartment design or that they really are not bringing anything from a previous home, perhaps just wanted to completely start fresh. Is that common or not? It it actually is more common than what you think because uh, I I find, you know, a lot of clients are into their third or fourth home. They're just like, we've only, we've had all this furniture because we had to have it secondhand or we got what we could just afford at the time. And it was just, you know, for the kids, well, we're moving into this place where we might just have the kids over or we might have grandkids and we've had loaned things. We just want us. We don't even know what our style is. So we want to start from scratch. So that's definitely a time where people start from scratch. Another time when people start from scratch, when it's a case of like, might be a really messy divorce and you don't want to keep one thing that reminds you of that person. I don't want to be on that couch that we once used to love each other. (laughs) Exactly. So that's a big thing. And then also coming into a first home. So, you know, there's a lot of people that will borrow or get get a few cheaper items, but some people just want to go, okay, I've got this two-bedroom apartment, I just want to get everything from scratch. So there are a lot of moments that you can start from scratch, but then those same things, people will want to have pieces they bring with them. So it, it just depends on your mentality, your budget has a big thing to do with it, and what you want it to look like. Do you find, and we have talked psychology yeah. on previous episodes, do you find that it's not unusual that a couple perhaps might have vastly different ideas of how much stuff they want to keep? I'm personally very sentimental and have jammed as many third, fourth generation antiques into my house as, as possible because I can't bear parting with them I, and I've, now I've it's gathered that. I've <laughs> gathered that about you. It's just like, yeah, but right. what? I don't, I don't remember the, an episode on selling houses and it was the cutest, beautiful family and, you know, the... Um, the homeowner couldn't part with a post-it note because it reminded, you know, it was the phone number of somebody who died seven years ago. Oh, goodness, did so, you frame it? <laughs> oh, it was exhausting, I've got to tell you. But it, it, when we got through that process, she tr- it really sort of triggered something in her going, oh, just because I'm letting something go doesn't mean I'm letting go of the person. So yes. that was a big thing. And as for, you know, couples or people moving into the house that have different design styles, 
Absolutely. Mm. For them all to be on the same page um, is very, very uncommon. And so it's about compromise. Like, you know, there might be in the study that, well, you know what? I'm going to be using the study the most. And if I want that ugly chair that I'm bringing with me, <laughs> yeah. so be it. And then you have to let that go. And it might be the lounge room that there is one thing that really bugs one of the other um, couples that it's just no go. And, and so there, there can be a bit of, you know, oh, I can't go down that road. So sometimes it's best to just start from scratch in that area because it, it's like someone has a win and the other person doesn't. You have mm. no many, no idea how many times <laughs> I've had somebody, well, how come I didn't win? And I just go, it's not about winning. It's yeah. about compromise. But it's also about if you both can't agree on it, maybe you move that somewhere else and you both start fresh. So it, it, it's, you know, it's not a point score. Um, and, you know, if there's – and I sort of put it like, you know, if you are hel- holding on to a piece that, you know, r- you really hate but your partner loves, you have to do the two things in the fact, well, look, you know what, I really don't like it but my partner does and that makes them happy so let's just sit with that. Or it can be one of those that makes me so unhappy having that piece in that I'm going to be angry every time I work in that room, mm. walk in that room. So let's talk about it now. Exactly. And, sort of, and it's really yeah. important to have those conversations rather than just sort of letting it go. And and then also just um, working out design styles. That That's the thing. Like, you know, what design style you had when you were 20 is different to when you're 30, 40, 50, 60 even, depending on, you know, what you've been through, what your budget is and the type of house you move into. We're going to get to that in a moment because I have a real issue with small children and fabric coverings. Oh, doesn't everybody? (laughs) (laughs) Now, tell us, what are some of the big ticket items? You've listed a few things that would make up a a furnishing, but when, when you're looking at it and you're going, okay, we've got a budget... Let's just block in some of the biggest things you're going to need. Say it's a a place that doesn't have any previous furniture coming from a former uh, location. So what are the biggest ticket things we're going to have to factor in? Well, one thing we didn't say on that was your window treatments. Aha. That is a big one. So your window treatments can, you know, you can either compromise and do really cheap blinds that, you know, might last maybe three or four years and then replace them over time. A lot of people like to allocate a certain amount of their budget to windows. Then the next big ticket item is everything you put your, that you sit on. Mm. When you put your, your bottom on your dining chairs, your um, couch, your occasional chairs, your kitchen stools, they're big ticket items. Then the other ones come down to where you want to spend money on other big ticket items being is it rugs? Is it artwork? Is it lamps? So we'll get to that one in a minute. But the big ticket items are literally where are you going to sit? And mm. I have been in houses where people hardly have any furniture because they just didn't know what to do. <laughs> or because they ran out of money or they just ran didn't out of know money. what to do? Pretty much both. Yeah, yeah. It, there's so many different – there is not one answer. Do you think that people – are in a way daunted by that having to choose. Like buying a new lounge suite, if you're investing thousands of dollars, and of course it can get exorbitant, but that is a pretty big purchase for most people. I mean, it's almost up there with a car. (laughs) Well, it it is pretty much. You probably sit on the couch more than what you do with the car. True. (laughs) But it, it, it comes down to, you know, so many clients I get say, I just want my weekends back. If I have to walk into one more furniture store, if I have to walk into one more um, bed store and, you know, so it, the process is incredibly daunting because there's too much option. 
too many options, too many things to select from and too many things to make mistakes on. Yeah, because I think being afraid of making a mistake is yes. a very valid thing when you're talking lots yeah. of money. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I had, I had a client many, many years ago and he had this great line of like paralysis of analysis mm. in the fact that you weigh everything up constantly, that you make no decision and you end up with nothing. Do you think then that's where it will help to actually have things like sort of said the mood board? It's a bit of a cliche, but I guess yeah. if when you're flipping through magazine, it might be years before you even actually have the money and the chance to build or renovate your yeah. dream home. But when you've got those visual cues there, You'll know when you see th- something in store, oh, that's right, I've always wanted a tan leather couch that yeah. looks comfy and beautiful. I, I think an edited mood board. Okay. So, so have you got people a- walking in and just going, here's my mood board, Shana. Whoa. Oh, well, you end up with almost books the size of magazines of options. And then also the, big, the biggest thing is people creating mood boards on Pinterest. People go down the rabbit hole and end up with 35 pictures of inspiration for one room and they're all completely different. So it's being able to edit those mood mood boards. I sort of love people to go in for a little bit of inspiration to give me ideas, but when you go too crazy in certain areas, it it gets lost. So um, editing is a big thing for your mood board. That is definitely um, a starting point. But I think a starting point uh, uh, overall of it is your general style. I think that's the main thing. Are you going to be country? Are you going to be minimalist? Are you going to be Edwardian, Victorian? Are you going to be eclectic? Are you going to be a a hybrid of quite a few different things? And that is my starting point when people are sort of, rather than sort of picking the colour scheme, when you're doing whole house, like I, my book, Design with Colour and Style, does that argument, do you start with my colour scheme or do I start with my design style? You can start either way, but if you're starting from a whole house, I would go for your style first. Okay, so we've got our style in mind. We've sort of got a rough idea of what kind of feeling and atmosphere we actually want to create in some of these rooms. What should you be purchasing first? Like you've mentioned there that you want to make sure that you're not just letting colour dominate what perhaps the style is. So is it a factor of of getting the couch and then working out the curtains, vice versa? Where do you try and start? Look, I think think once you have the design style, that will actually sort out the style of window treatments you're going to have. So that can sort of work on its own, but definitely the couch because the shape of whether you're going to have a couch – with two occasional chairs, you're going to have two couches. Are you going to have modular? Are you going to have three seater, four seater? Are they going to have roll arms? Are they going to have straight arms? Is it going to be high back, low back? Mm. Are you going to have a recliner? So they're really important things to do because that will help you shape the room and where everything's positioned. And then you'll know what you've got left over for the next pieces. Now, sometimes a couch can be a real piece in that if you get it upholstered in a really full-on fabric or just something that is striking and is not kind of the blend into the background, that would be a great place to start for colours and that then, wouldn't it? Yeah, absolutely. you're determined to have this beautiful couch with a fairly strong pattern or something like that, take it from there. It does because that that will make the decision on the type of rug, the type of cushions, the type of artwork. So that becomes what you call the star. And... Uh, you know, there's a lot of people that would love a, a beautiful stripe or a tartan is really big in in the moment. It's oh, really? Just, oh, my God. Can I have seen <laughs> the most beautiful plaids, tartans and checks and my next couch is going to be either plaid or check. 
There's wow. so yeah, and really a, a good sense of fun. I think you know we've played with so many neutrals for so long, and people are terrified of things dating. If you love it, it won't date. That's the biggest tip. But on the opposite side of that, though, if people are really sort of going, we want this couch to last for the next 10 years, like, should you veer away from getting a a bold print or fabric on it? No, I don't think so. It comes down to the style that you want. The style that you want if it's a country one, will probably have lots of um, florals or it might have stripes or it might have, you know, what's called a ticking stripe. And that will actually last a long time. And you just put all your cushions that are neutral that work with it. So it it becomes a really good solid base to work with. And there are so many different patterns. Like if I want to go for a check, that's going to work in a modern environment. It's going to work in with a contemporary modern look or a contemporary country look or a real country look. And I sort of know my design style, so I know it's going to work. Mm. And then on top of that, then you work out your colours. So you might have the pattern, but what are the colours that you want that you're going to be happy to live with for a long time? Now, I see shows where, you know, the designer will get the swatches and all of the different... Is that actually reality where uh-huh. you, you walk and you literally, you know, walking into an incre- incredible upholstery store or something and, yeah. and there is just so much choice, but physically laying things out to match colours, to match different elements that are in the I room? I do it all the time. Yeah. And that's that's where, you know, people talk about mood boards, you've got to actually have it flexible. So you have your swatches, you don't actually sticky tape them, mount them or anything like that. You you layer them on top of each other. You might have this beautiful pattern that you want for the couch and then put your cushion colours over the top of it and then a picture of your artwork and, and move it around. But you might find, actually, I want to swap the cushion colour and the couch colour. So I'll have that sitting at the bottom and these mm. at the top. So it really does make sense to have swatches rather than just always pictures of something because... As we talked about in our colour section, this is where you connect emotionally to the furnishings. So the emotional connection will be the colour and pattern that is going into the space, how it makes you feel, what you want it to do. So always remember that emotional connection when you're choosing with these swatches and how that's going to connect. And you're listening to Homestyle with Shana Blaze. Thanks to Red Energy, born and bred in Melbourne with a customer solutions team based here. Switch to Red Energy today. Now, I mentioned I am slightly disturbed by furnishings, children, soft (laughs) furnishings, anything to do with a fabric that is going to absorb a stain. Look, I know you can get stain proofing and things. Is it the case, though, that you should potentially be very mindful of who's going to be living in the house, how much wear and tear things are going to get, and maybe veer away from fabric-covered stools in the kitchen or dining chairs if you know those grubby little hands are going to be all over them. How did you cope with that when you had kids? Did you sort of have to change your style? Uh, Look, I had the hilarious thing I still say is that when I was pregnant with my second child, I got two white leather couches. See, and this is what I'm talking about, Shana. Like, yeah, people go, what? <laughs> leather, everything just wipes and slides off it. I had them for 20 years. They were oh, fantastic. Yeah. I thought you were going to say the first time the texter went on. They... No. Okay. Just for a little tip, hairspray gets it off. There, there you go, go mum. There and you dads. go. Leather, I've got to say, leather is the best thing you could ever have when you're having kids because everything wipes off. It's a natural um, material. The, the fabrics, if you've got, you know, little kids, I'd stay away from velvets because it's mm. got the plush pile and things will get into that. But then there's also commercial grade velvets that 
clean. So if you're worried about kids and you want those soft furnishings, look at commercial grade. You can actually get commercial grade fabrics dry cleaned in your own home. So like you would do a rug. It's not as bad as what it used to be, like really sort of absorbent linens, Definitely not. But then there's all these different rub tests. You know, there's 40,000, 100,000, 10,000 rubs. Something that's a 10,000 rub would be... Hang on, hang on, back up. Exactly. A rub test. (laughs) And it's just as basic as they they have like this little robotic arm. Yep. And it has a little pad on it and it rubs. And how many times does it rub until it starts wearing away? Wow. I so did not know that existed. The It's called a Martindale test. So Ooh. the highest rub content means it will, you know, be more for your couches and your chairs. And, you know, it's something that's really only sort of 4,000 or 5,000, you know, will be maybe your occasional chair. Ah. So, you know, or your... Um, Window furnishings. And is that information that's fairly readily available? If I walked into any large chain furniture store and asked them, excuse me, what's the, the rub tester score on that couch? Well, it depends. Would they know? If, if what's just sitting on the gra- on the floor, no. They have to have the swatches available and they'll be there. And ah. it's, it's, re- it's written on the back of it. But a lot of, the, a lot of the stores will just have the actual fabric swatches without the details behind it. So, no, you won't always know that. But I'm sure when you're doing a big purchase, you could say, what is the rub test on this? Just so I know the durability of the fabric. <laughs> and what, watch the salesperson's roll their eyes going, damn, Shane. <laughs> a blaze again. <laughs> I'm so, I am just looking forward to the next time I can drop rub test into a conversation. I wish they had that for clothes because how often do you buy like a jumper? Yeah. And look, you shouldn't buy the, you know, the cheap, nasty uh, stuff, but you're just like, I'm sure I washed that twice and it's already peeling. Absolutely. Yep. That's, that's, you know, well, price accordingly. <laughs> okay. Um, so leather is good leather if you have good. children, yes. if you can afford it. I actually um, purchased a secondhand leather yeah. couch not so long ago because I've got a six-year-old. He's going to trash it regardless. Mm. Didn't want to spend the money on my sort of keep yeah. it for a lot longer. Yeah. And, you know, it was ridiculously cheap, practically brand new off of, uh, you know, Gumtree. Yeah. Yeah. And the family was like, oh, we bought it, you know, five years ago. It sat in the back room, have barely even touched oh, it. Bingo. How good's so. that? <laughs> so so it really comes down to how you want to live, what you want it to look like. Don't do precious fabrics if you've got children because it will do your head in. It might yeah. look good, but it's it's really going to be a tense time. And, and, and everything with furnishing your home for your lifestyle really has to make you happy and not stress every time somebody sits down, oh, don't do that, don't do that. And, you know, a big thing for me is also like a, a dining table. If you're stressed every time somebody puts a cup down on your everyday table, change the material because, I, you know, you stress yourself out and everybody around you. It's funny, isn't it? Because, you know, back in the day, your nanny used to have a good room. Oh, yes. Like we would put furniture that we knew wasn't as durable and that was the good stuff in yeah. a completely separate room. And it was like, yeah. oh, you're allowed to go and sit in the good room, at which point my nanit's couch was the prickliest, weirdest, like mm. 100-year-old, you know, upholstery that no one wanted to sit in the good room because yeah. it was horrible fabric. So. And, and that's sort of like, you know, where you the good room would be where you'd take visitors and things like that. So it would just, you know... But, not everyone felt welcome. Yeah. You know, I think in um, our floor plans, we went to the big open plan living so that we could get away from that. But we still do have those, you know, we have the, the playroom and the parents' room. We, ha- we have those sorts of things. And the parents' room tends to go up that next step of quality just so that <laughs> I'm going to sit here. I want something that I want. Yeah. So 
really, I think we're fooling ourselves if we don't have the good room anymore. <laughs> You're listening to Homestar with Shana Blaze. It's all thanks to Red Energy, born and bred in Melbourne. That is Red Energy. You can uh, buzz their Melbourne-based team on 131806 and switch to Red Energy today. So, Shana, we want to make some savings, but we want to be mindful. We spoke about sustainability on a previous episode about investing some money in good mm. quality furnishings yep. so that you're not suddenly replacing them in three years' time when the leg breaks off. So where do you think we can make some of these big savings? Is it by getting a second-hand couch or is it by just choosing things that might be from a slightly less well-known designer brand but good value? Yeah, look, it's all those things. You've got to ask yourself that question of how long do I want this couch to work for me? So if you're going to buy a second-hand couch and you want it to last 10 years, is that really the mm. right thing to do? A second-hand couch, I think in your mind you should always sort of think, well, depending on the quality, it may only last me two to five years for the interim and then I can pass it on to somebody else. So really be be mindful of that. And as you were saying, you know, the designer brands, there's look for Australian manufacturing. There's so many great um, Australian brands that you can get the designer look with an original um couch, the framing and everything that is made here in Australia. And especially mm. now that, you know, we are not probably wanting to purchase so much overseas because we can actually be right onto the manufacturing here in Australia. Yeah. And to know who created it, who designed it, know that those people got paid well. It's exactly. no brainer. Yeah. And I think, you know, the, the budget, budget furniture is something that you're only going to get two years out of anyway. So just have a think about that spending your money. So to me, spending the right money, if you want a couch to last 10 years, pay that little bit more because what will happen is you're going to get the durability, but you're also going to get the comfort level and you're going to get the manufacturer's guarantees. So a lot of them that are cheaper probably only will have a 12-month guarantee. The other ones will have anywhere from a four to a seven, and that's on the frame and the making, not the fabric, because that's a, a separate one altogether. So really be mindful of, of the warranties, the guarantees, and how long you want that to service your lifestyle, you know? Yeah, I guess it's it's all about making sure it's actually going to contribute to your wonderful home instead of be something exactly. that you're constantly cursing, going, stupid, cheap couch. <laughs> so then there's the other one where you, you pay for your investments. And I, I remember, you know, at the same time as purchasing those two leather couches. Yes. 30 years ago, actually. It wasn't 20 years ago. 30. Um, it was a, a case of investing in some really good rugs. Rugs that were, you know, they were old style. And they worked with the period home that I had and I've still got them. Like they were not at hand silk. And rugs are an investment because they can go in any room of the house. If you've got really good quality, they are going to last because they've made well. They're not mm. going to separate. You know, a lot of them might sort of peel with a lot of wool to get it going. And, you know, after 12 months, the wool stops coming off. But you've got this incredible rug that's left behind. And they clean well and they work well. So a lot of people were buying Moroccan rugs for a long time, but they weren't actually from Morocco. Any, oh. If you get a Moroccan rug that's $1,000, is it really it's from Morocco? Not- Moroccan, sure. Most of them are anywhere from four to ten, fifteen thousand dollars for a good Moroccan rug. Yeah. So just be really careful of where you hear a Moroccan rug that's a bargain. <laughs> Not so much. Yeah. So I, I find that the rugs can be an investment, whereas you buy a, a cheaper, a cheaper rug becomes a fashion item because they wear out really quickly. 
So and know that and be aware of it that this rug will be a fashion item for a couple of years. It, you know, at the price point because you're not. It doesn't have the quality of walking on it at a, for a long time. Mm. And I guess the rub rub test comes back into that as well. Like how yeah. many times do you walk across that? And and really, some of the areas in your home are high traffic, like big traffic areas. Yeah, yeah. So I, I, cheap. Yeah. <laughs> and also with your carpet. So your carpet, you know. That, actually does come under your furnishings rather than your stone and, and things like that because you, you can wear a trail of where you walk to the most often in, you know, a hallway or mm. in the lounge room. That You know, the, the high traffic used to be before your remote controls from the couch to the TV. <laughs> yes, of The different one now is walking in and out of the room. <laughs> from the fridge to the couch. <laughs> yeah. So, you know, be aware of the, where to put the high quality in there of areas that are going to be used the most. And, and it's on your feet just as much as, you know, on your bum. <laughs> Fantastic. Well, I know now that I can collect some photos for my mood board, but I am not going to create a large <laughs> document. Yeah, it comes to a stage once you hit about five or six per room, when one comes in, one goes out. It's a little bit like decluttering. You, you, you're bringing in something that is to provide inspiration, not sure. a collective of everything that you want in that room because okay. otherwise it becomes really cluttered and you can't really remember why you put those things in there. Okay, so working on that, on editing my mood board, yes. looking at my priority list and then keeping my eyes open for some bargains that might form the uh, yeah. focus of a room. And I think that's when you're looking you know, for the bargain, when you can go shopping and be out somewhere and buy something spontaneous is because you've done that homework and you know what's at home. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. I always find that you find things easier when you're not looking for them. So yes. in my mind, I'll say, oh, I'd really love a new standard lamp. And I really am looking for this. And then I find they sort of materialise almost. Whereas if you go, today we are going to go to every furniture store until we find our perfect couch, you'll never find no, it. No. <laughs> all you do is just get stressed and go home and drink a bottle of wine. <laughs> okay. So you now have Shana's permission to uh, to binge purchase or, you know. <laughs> Once you've done the homework. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Well, of course, you can find out way more of these incredible tips. Shana's book is Design and Shana's book is Design with Colour and Style in all good bookshops, I'm mm-hmm. sure, Shana. And you can also ask her a question on her Instagram, which is? <laughs> At Shana Blaze. Fantastic website as well. Thank you, Shana. I feel like we have gotten our head around furnishings and I'm definitely, definitely going to be asking about rub test scores in future. I would, but also <laughs> hopefully solve some couple issues too. <laughs> no one wins. So much to it, but thank you so much for all of your insights. This has been Homestyle. I'm Jane Neild and we've been with Shana Blaze as well. And it's all thanks to Red Energy, born and bred in Melbourne with a customer solutions team based here in Melbourne. Switch to Red Energy today. You can call them on 131 806. Thanks for listening to Homestyle with Shana Blaze. Thanks to Red Energy, born and bred in Melbourne with a customer solutions team based here. Switch to Red Energy today. If you enjoyed Homestyle with Shana Blaze, then check out the other podcasts in the Red Energy Lifestyle series. For all things gardening and DIY, enjoy the sport of gardening with Dale Vine and Jane Neal. Compost is on trend at the moment. It is uh, <laughs> it is as cool as a hairstyle by Dustin Martin, I can tell you. Born and bred in Melbourne, that's Red Energy. Thanks for listening to Homestyle with Shana Blaze, part of Red Energy's podcast lifestyle series. Available on your favourite podcast platform and the SE. App.